Welcome to the show. This is TED Talks Too Much. And we've got another great one for you today. I am Ted Moss, ex-burger flipper, stand-up comedian, and your host. We are located in the OK Boomer Studios just outside of Flint, Michigan. That's right, Flint! Michigan's water wonderland where they're still wondering today when they'll get some clean water. But while we all wait for that to happen, let's talk. And on today's show for you, we got a young man who hails from just outside of Flint. Matter of fact, so close, I thought it was Flint, but apparently it's Beecher. The only thing I know about Beecher is they had a butcher shop up there called Beecher Meats. Yeah, I never got any meat from Beecher Meats, but we'll be back with Jay Harris right after this. Some sponsors are willing to pay a lot of money for people to advocate for the product. And what you get are insincere testimonials. Well, let me tell you, that is not the case with this company. Now, I consider myself a realist, but I do try to maintain an optimistic worldview. But it's clear that some people have taken optimism way too far. And of those people, I think the most optimistic person in the history of the world has just got to be the guy who determined the standard size of a sheet of toilet paper. Four inches. Think about it. Four inches. Who in the world can use four inches of toilet paper? Well, I'm a senior citizen and well-practiced, and I got to tell you, for me, every time it's like, really? Are you kidding me? Pop through again. Well, I don't know how anyone ever has clean fingernails. Cybersmith 2000. Why, mine are dirty right now. But there's good news, my friends. I have found the solution. Not only will this product keep you in good graces with your local manicurist, sweet smelling fingernails but it'll keep your bum just as clean as a daisy it's the undeniable and very triable field installable clear rear an attachment that you yourself can install on your existing toilet it's a way that you can have a bidet today now once you get used to it not only will you be clean as a baby's bottom you will inject a little bum fun into the middle of your day. It's got three settings. It's got a regular squirt strong enough to make any young gay dating dude proud to be out on that dance floor. A self-cleaning setting. And one for biscuit spray for the lady in your life. And sometimes, you know, even when you don't have to go, a little water spray just might make your day. Well, I can imagine a time when a lady date might be feeling a little out of sorts after a hard day, and I could send her into the powder room for about 10 minutes. And with a twist of that dial to the biscuit setting, the whole night might just be a little bit sweeter for everyone concerned. So take a tip from me and check them out at clearrear.com. You just may find a little spray can make your day. And even though they're not paying me, Tell them Ted talks too much. 
for the ones that sent you. Okay, and on today's show, we're going to talk to a good friend of mine who is smooth like Mr. Dave Chappelle. He's going to tell us a little bit about how he got into comedy. A friend of his called Big Juicy. And yes, it is a female, and no, I did not ask. We'll also discuss the Flint water crisis a little bit. And if you listen close enough, you will find out when he first had sex. Yeah, a little too much information, isn't it? But thanks to my fine editing skills, we're going to join this interview already in progress. Here, ladies and gentlemen, my good friend, Mr. Jay Harris. The way I got started is um, I um, I won a contest on the radio. Really? Yeah. What kind of contest? It was Tell Jokes on the Radio to open up for, um, 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 who was it? Um, was it AJ lo- Johnson? AJ Johnson. I don't know AJ Johnson. And he was in the movie Friday. Uh, it was at the Whiting Auditorium. Oh, cool! And I won the contest. I was telling um, this was ooh, this was ooh, this was a long time ago. <laughs> this was like oh eight. This was like oh yeah. eight. Yeah, because yeah, I was telling on Bob my jokes. Oh and, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And um, so you just you heard about the contest and you no, decided to write no, some jokes. For no, this. I didn't write anything. I was just coming off the top of my head because it was like calling out and uh, whoever the funniest. And, really? And, yeah. And I went up there and and well, I caught and uh, you know I said my jokes and then they played them on the radio and then people voted and they voted for me and I won. So I opened up for AJ Johnson at the Whiting Auditorium in front of how many people? Shit, about uh, it's got to be a thousand people or more, isn't it? Uh, about forty people was there. <laughs> oh, it was a very small show. <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, I get, I don't, it wasn't promoted right or whatever. I don't yeah. know. And like, um, do you know Big Juicy? No. Oh well, she's a comedian. She was the host, and she's my cousin. And uh, uh like, did nobody know that I was. I was going to be on there. Hold it. That's not how you got the gig. Big Juicy didn't get you the gig because you're cousin or something like that. No. Nah. Okay. She, she told me not to tell nobody she's my cousin right, until right. after I got off. You know, all right, all right. she had to make sure I was funny first. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't want to own you. Yeah. <laughs> God, I don't know that guy. He's not that funny. Yeah, but um, I did all right and I liked it. And then I didn't know what to do for like three years. Three years. I didn't know. How to get into comedy? I didn't know nothing about open mics. I didn't know nothing about any any of that. And then um, it was what Derek Evans and Mike Ball. They yeah. was doing a show at uh, JW's. Yeah. On Sundays, and yeah. I seen the flyer. Yeah. And then I came back. Was that up by Hill Road, Saginaw Hill, up in that it, area? It, it's Saginaw. No, yeah. it's Door Highway. Door Highway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's yeah, that's where I met him too. That's where I met uh, uh, Mike Ball. Yeah. And and um, I started going to that. I started going every week. Uh-huh. And then they put me. They told me about the uh, Michigan Comedy Network. And yeah, that's it. And that's started and hold going it, from there. Before hold it, when you started going up there, were you writing jokes to go up there? Yeah, I would do a different set every night. Every well, every week I did. How, yeah. Dude, how'd you do that? Just write. Can you just write that that well? I, I didn't be say I, I you, didn't man. say it was good, but I was right. I was right. I wasn't. I didn't. I didn't know to keep doing the same thing and try to perfect what I'm doing. I just thought oh. I was. I was doing more um, quantity over quality. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I did well enough. Mike put me on the showcase. The showcase. Um, he had a showcase like a 
two months later. You're talking about like up at the log cabin, like that poster over there? Yeah. Like that sort of thing? But he did it at uh, JW's. Oh, okay. Yeah. But yeah. Was Mike Ball running that show at JW's? Him or Derek Evans. I'm not for sure which yeah, one. Yeah, I was. But both of them was doing it together. Okay, because I, I met him there. I didn't know if he was running the show or not. Because that was just like an open mic. Because I think I just kind of bumped into it and thought, well, I'll go up there and see if I can sign up. And I think I just walked in and signed up. It was it was supposed to be pre-booked. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was yeah, I don't to remember be. pre-booking that. I think I just walked in and they let me well, on. Well, they didn't let me on. <laughs> <laughs> well, and told me I have I, to. Sign, I had to. I had to send them an email. Really? Yeah. Yeah. We. They didn't think you were funny. Maybe I don't know. Probably. Probably. Ha-ha, I am. Yeah. <laughs> you were wrong, motherfucker. Well, you know, every time, every time I show up at one of these things, I'm like the old guy. I'm, I mean, obviously, I'm always the oldest guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, anywhere I go, I'm in comedy, I'm the oldest guy. And if they don't know me, they're like, oh, dude, we really got to listen to this guy. I mean, that happens a lot. And actually, even in my last year, I went down to an open mic somewhere down River Detroit. And it was being run by this... Um, I can't remember his name. Tall, good-looking black guy, and this kind of short, balding white guy. That sounds like everybody does that. But in any case, these two guys were running, and I didn't know either one, which is weird because I've been doing comedy, you know, everywhere around Detroit for for a long time. And I, I remember they, uh, I said, "Well, you know, how much time do you want us to do?" And they said five minutes. And it been so long since I'd just done five, you know, I mean, I was always doing like, you know, 10, 12, whatever, at least. And um, so I said five and they looked at me and they said, don't you have five? You don't have to do five if you don't have five. And I said, Oh no, <laughs> I got five. I'm good. I can do five. I'm trying to figure out I can do five your chatter. That's half of it gone. <laughs> what else can I squeeze in in front of it? So it's kind of weird when you show up, uh, because they're always assuming you're not going to be funny. You're the old white guy that's just trying this, and you just you won't have funny shit. You know what I mean? I think that's the assumption. And also, I, I think there's some prejudice against old white men right now. There's just kind of a, we don't want to hear what you have to say. You're an old white man. So whatever you say is going to be wrong or inappropriate or you're stupid. I mean, there's no regard and respect for old white men. It's the one group you don't want to be a member of. And so I kind of feel like that when I go out to any comedy club ever, that I've got to win the crowd over in the first minute. I've got to be likable, you know, because their first yeah. instinct, unless it's an old white crowd, if it's an old white crowd, I'm okay. But any other crowd, if it's middle-aged, if it's a... You kill that one-night stand, don't you? Uh, yeah, I did okay there. You know what? I did a weekend there, and it was the coldest weekend of the winter. Great. I love the room. Mike Green's really yeah. cool. Yeah, I love the room, too. Yeah. I did it in the middle of summer. Yeah. I, I did. Do you remember last winter when we had a weekend where the high was 10 below zero during mm-hmm. the day? That was the weekend I did one night stands. And, you know, people aren't going out to comedy on the weekends when it's a high of minus 10 that day, which means it's minus 20 at night. So it was a really thin crowd. But I did learn something, though, because I got to work with Sal D'Amelio. Have you ever worked with Sal? Uh, I think one of Microns. Yeah, uh, Italian guy. Yeah, He's I know, who, I know who he is. Oh, yeah. I know who he is. Yeah, super nice. What he taught me was uh, not to scare the crowd. He said, Ted, you're walking out and just telling the joke right off the bat. Talk to him first. You know, like you're a human being. <laughs> 
I would just start reciting jokes because I was just coming out going, oh, and hitting them with a, an opener and instead of going, how you guys doing? Boy, I'm glad to be here. Glad you guys are here. And just any kind of little conversation so they get used to the tempo that you talk, the tone of your voice, that you're a human being, that you're here actually just to talk to them. Mm-hmm. And so that's what Sal taught me. And that was probably really valuable. But uh, that was the last thing I learned. And that's all I know. That's a jewel, though. That's that's a that's a that's a jewel. Yeah. You know, if if someone you know if someone doesn't know that. Yeah. Well, it takes a while to learn it on your own. Takes a while. Yeah. And you know what? It's like um. Well, I was talking about big juicy. You know, I'm part of the Flint water bottles. Where where I don't uh, really know what the Flint water bottles uh, is. So. It's me, um, Big Juicy, and Veronica Douglas. What is that? Is that is That's that a, a, a comedy uh, troupe? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And Big Juicy. Is Big Juicy funny? I know Veronica's hilarious. Yes. Big Juicy is very funny. Okay. She's the funniest. I ain't going to lie. All right. But she's been doing it for 20 years. Ah. She's been doing it for over 20 years, but. She, Why don't I know her? You be, think I would have seen her? Because she didn't know about the open mic scene or, or n- she didn't know about the subculture of comedy. Oh. She never knew about that. Wow. Yeah. And she's been doing it for 20 years. 20 years. Wow. Only people, I mean, yeah, 20 years. Wow, that's sad. Yeah. So now we're we're going to all these different places and everybody's like, damn, you good as hell. Why I don't know you? <laughs> exactly. I mean, seriously. Really? Like, how long, you know, and everybody wants yeah. to talk to her. And like, yeah. how long you been doing comedy? Yeah. And, and you know what I'm saying? And she getting booked everywhere. Wow. Well, that's cool for her, though. Yeah. Look at all this practice she had under the radar. Yeah. Yeah. But but it's a lot of them little nuances that she didn't pick up. Yeah. Because she was just, you know. Just on her own, just yeah. figuring it out. Yeah. You know, I always know if a comic doesn't take the mic stand and set it back behind him, if he leaves it on the front of the stage so he's like behind the mic stand, I think, oh, this guy's brand new, man. He hasn't done this at all because he doesn't know to get that out of the stage. You know what I mean? So I think there's a lot of little things like that. Yeah. If you're, if you're not trained. Or you haven't watched, paid attention to other people doing it that you just aren't going to know. Yeah, yeah, and and it's um, it just it's just a lot of um, just the little I like I study it like I study comedy like game film. I can't even watch comedy no more. It's not even the same anymore. Yeah, I know. You know, it's what? not the same at I know. all. Yeah, it's kind of like the Wizard of Oz. You pull open the curtain and you're looking at the man who's pulling the levers. Yeah. Going, how do you pull the levers? Yeah, yeah, what's the strategy? Why is he doing it this way? Look at that. Look how he walks. You know, I used to watch comedy and just watch the opening one minute of the set. Just ton, set after set. Like, what? how does he walk up to the mic? How does he interact with the crowd in the mic as he's walking up? What does he do? And actually learn to implement some little things from that. One of the best sets I ever had, I remember, because I'm an old white guy, I want people to think I'm friendly. And one of the best sets I ever had while I was being introduced and right at the end of the introduction, I stopped halfway up to the stage and patted a guy on the back that I knew in the audience just hadn't talked to once before and shook his hand and kind of like acting like I was having a conversation. So the other people anticipating that I'm going up got to see me that I was being friendly to the people in the crowd. And I was better received. There was kind of like a little psychological thing I was doing, like to show that I was a friendly guy, like, hey, I'm one of you. Yeah, yeah. And then, and it actually, I think it kind of worked. Yeah. You know, that's kind of like a, 
We used to do this. Hillary Clinton used to point at people in the audience. She wouldn't point at shit. She's just pointing, pretending like she's recognized and knowing people. She's not knowing anybody. Yeah, because it, it makes you feel good to be recognized. Yeah, they, they feel like, oh, yeah, she's with us. She knows a lot of people here. She's one of them. Yeah, it's that kind of thing. Yeah, psychological. Yeah, like when I perform in Burton, because I moved out of Flint and I went to high school in Burton. I always mention that right up front, because if you're, if you're a homie, if you're from there, they're going to like you. You know what I mean? All right, yeah. Do good. You're one of us. Yeah, we're with you. I mean, it's that kind of thing. Yeah, Burn so, Tucky. Yeah, well, you know, it's like Flint with dirt roads, dude. Didn't change much except it was just dirt roads. So, uh, do you, what do you call this? The empty water bottle people? What is this? The Flint water bottle. Now, well, do you want to talk about the Flint water problem? Can you uh, tell me what you think about it? Because you're living in Flint. Do you have tap water coming out of your tap that you can use? Yeah, I don't. I don't have Flint water. Oh, you got well water. Yeah, I live in Beecher. Is that well water out in Beecher? Yes. They never ran Flint water out to Beecher. No, we got well water. Dude, you're only you're less than a mile outside Flint. We got well water. Really? Yeah. You know what? The whole thing is it. It honestly is it. It it hasn't affected me the way it's affected other people because yeah. Yeah, if you if you have well water, wouldn't yeah. You? I mean, I mean, my kids don't go to Flint schools. Yeah, um, is it? Well, you know what they did is they messed up the pipes. Yeah, yeah. It was, it's really they they didn't put the chemicals in to maintain the corrosion on the inside of the pipes, and when the corrosion came off, now they're old lead pipes, so you get they're leaching, leaching lead, lead yeah. into the water, and they're pumping it through the same pipes until they tear up all the pipes. Yeah, and replace them, they're screwed. And it never happened because because we're we're below the legal limit for lead. You're allowed to have so many particles of lead yeah, per I million. Yeah, a bunch of shit. You know what? I, yeah. I tell you, my feeling is we care about people all over the world. We care about all these causes. Sending billions of dollars all over the world to help people with things. They should send some money to Flint, tear it all up, and put in all new plumbing throughout the whole city. If you're going to pump water out to them, give them new pipes. You ought to run them through all the subdivisions. They should start immediately, and yeah. it should be federally funded. I think yeah. it's one of those things that should be on the docket. It's one of those things that taxpayers for the whole country should. It's like a disaster in New Orleans. We had a freaking disaster in Flint. They should do something about it. As far as I'm concerned. Yes, most definitely. Yeah, but, you know, and the other thing is that all the plants in Flint actually used the Flint River as a, a as a way to dump stuff to get rid of stuff. Yeah, that's why it's so bad from GM dumping shit in, in the river for the last yeah, fifty multi, years. I mean, ten different plants. Yeah, but the problem is the Flint li- River leaches down into the groundwater, so it's actually in your well water. It's in my well water too, because it's for you. Got to think about for a hundred years, they've been dumping shit down into the groundwater and it's a down under the ground it's like a big ocean down there dude it's great big water aquifers and stuff it's it all goes together so anything that seeps down in the ground that's why you shouldn't use certain herbicides and stuff uh, we'd be gone or whatever it is uh, because it'll go down into the groundwater and get into the wells and all the shit in the river goes down it doesn't just stay on the top it's not like some little plastic thing that we're just running down the river man it's 
spilled up all the way down to the ground. And that, that water is getting down into the well water and it's, it's getting into your drinking water. All that pollution from all those years in Flint is contaminating everybody. Do you know my... That's my, why Beecher water tastes like that? Yep. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, man. I haven't tasted Beecher water, but... My, uh, my brother-in-law... the best Kool-Aid, though. Yeah, my, my, my brother-in-law died when he was uh, uh, a sophomore in high school. So what's that, 13, 14 years old? Mm-hmm. And he got sick, died three months later. And he died of a very rare cancer a cancer that attacks everything instead of singling out one organ and it spreads throughout your body and a big Catholic family, nine kids. And I was holding his hand actually when he passed, the only people were only two people were allowed in this room. We had like dozens of people and he asked for me and his mom and when he passed and uh, I was in there holding his hand, he passed away and afterwards I, I was like investigating the kind of cancer he had. It's a very rare cancer only like one half of 1% or something of all cancers, this type of cancer, or less than that, just very, very minute. And of those cancers, 50% of them are in Genesee County. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. What does that tell you? There's a special kind of cancer. And the weird thing is, it's always teenage boys. So it, it has something, and I don't know what it is about boys or about, you know, why would just attack boys? You'd have to talk to somebody a lot smarter than me. But it seemed very weird to me that this rare kind of cancer attacks only teenage boys and that such a high percentage of them in the whole country are in Genesee County. Now, it's got to be something environmental that's kicking it. And to me, the only thing that's environmental is that we are the place where General Motors started. We had all these plants that were using the Flint River and the watershed, the whole aquifer system under Genesee County as their dumping grounds for all these contaminants. You know, and at one time they were chroming bumpers and doing all kinds of crazy things that made a lot of contaminants and, and paints and plastics and were all being manufactured in Flint and... These young boys are getting this special kind of cancer in Genesee County. And I don't, I don't know that anything will ever be done about that, but my brother-in-law died because of that. And he died wow. like in three months. He got sick. We thought he had the flu, was on the couch for like two weeks, went to the doctor a couple times after a month, went back to the doctor, went to U of M Ann Arbor. Dude's got cancer. Cut him open to see if, uh, if they could do anything. His whole inside was just filled with cancer. Cancer is just like an unchecked growth. Yeah. So the, the cells of your liver grow more liver or whatever, and everything was growing. Everything inside them was just growing and multiplying. They looked, took one look and just sewed them back up. Just came out and told us, you're not going to make it. There's nothing we can do for this kid. Couldn't put him on chemo, couldn't do anything. How old was he? He was like a sophomore in high school. He, he began his sophomore year uh, at Powers. I remember he was on the golf team. And uh, he could not walk around the course. So is all teenage boys? Yeah, it's teenage boys of this age, like between 12 and 15 kind of thing. That's that's prime jacking off time. (laughs) Well, it's going through puberty time, so I don't know. It might have been for you. It wasn't for me, but you thank went, you for sharing. You weren't jacking off? No. I was a late learner. I, I didn't know how to sec, have sex a lot alone. Uh, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> I just want to act it. Like. I had a girlfriend, though. 
ain't had no I ain't had no girlfriend that I was like twenty one. Oh no, I no, I had girlfriends younger. The first time I kissed a girl I was twenty. Oh no, I was doing shit. I was, I was, yeah. yeah I, was, I, I made up for it though. I started late, but I made up for all it. All right, yeah, no, I'm, I have faith, two, dude. Three, I'm nine sure you're very charming. Two, three, nine, date. I made, I made <laughs> up for it. Oh, yes, I did. Yes, I did. I don't know how we got on this subject, dude. This is just wrong. You know, I'm going to cut all this shit out. I'm not talking about this, honey, here. Dude. <laughs> well, listen, we should probably wrap this up. I really okay. appreciate you coming in, Jay. This has been Thank fun. You. Thank you. And I enjoyed yeah, myself. Yeah, I'm glad. You drank two beers, had a lot yeah. to say. Yeah. Told me things you probably didn't want to reveal to anybody. I appreciate that. So, uh, is there anything you want to plug? Do you have anything coming up that you want to you mention other than your juicy Veronica Douglas shows or anything like that? Or you have any uh, uh, upcoming shows or anything you want to mention? No. Okay. All right. That makes no, it not at all. Neither do I. Neither do I. <laughs> All right, we're going to get out of here. Thanks for coming in. Talk to you guys later. All right, that's going to be our show for the day. I want to give a big thanks to our special guest, Mr. Jay Harris, for making it a good one. Check him out, or the Flint Water Bottles, if you ever hear that they're performing. You can always find me at tedtalkstoomuch.com. That's our website. Also, we have a new channel on YouTube, Ted Talks Too Much. Coincidentally, we're on Instagram at Ted Talks Too Much. I know, not a lot of creativity in those names. But anyhow, I hope you had a good time. I hope you enjoyed the show. We got Tommy Thompson coming up on our next show. Looking forward to doing that. So, hey, until then, people out there, be safe. Be careful. And try, just try to be happy. Until next time, I'm Ted Moss, and those are my thoughts.